Hello and welcome to Rockets Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by DoorDash. I'm Simone de Rochefort, senior video producer at Polygon.com, coming to you from my quarantine BNB on my Go mic. Apologies for the sound quality. And I'm joined today, as always, by Christina Warren, senior cloud advocate at Microsoft, and Brianna Wu, Democratic candidate for Congress in the great state of Massachusetts. What a stress free week! It's yeah, been nothing. very. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's been a good one, hasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is totally just great, great week. Nothing massive, scary, or like really, really horrifying happening at all. Except for the PS5 tech spec reveal. Am I right, ladies? (laughs) Let's get into some tech news. Um, (laughs) That was the most boring presentation. People are being so mean about it on Twitter. Let me set the scene first. So GDC obviously was canceled because of COVID-19. And part of GDC are these like super in-depth technical presentations for other for game developers so that they can talk about technical hurdles that they've overcome, amazing things that they've done, or in the case of presentations like Sony's, so that um, hardware companies can pitch developers on their products and let them know some of the tech specs that they'll be dealing with. Because GDC was canceled, Sony decided to broadcast their what would have been their GDC talk on the PlayStation 5, upcoming PlayStation 5. They decided to stream that on YouTube instead. Um, so they streamed today a super duper exciting presentation <laughs> that probably... <laughs> developers at GDC would nut over, but the uh, PlayStation fans who we could talk about the whose responsibility this was, pl- some PlayStation fans may have expected something a little more flashy <laughs> in line with a commercial, perhaps. And this is not what they got. What they got was, you know, a solid, solid lecture on uh, solid state drives and 3D audio and heat seeking and all these kinds of things that uh, Brianna Wu and Christina Warren care like deeply me. about. It was meant for people like Christina and I. It wasn't it's meant true. For, for gamers, and that's I was so know? annoyed. Like I thought it was funny at first because the chat's like spamming Z's like they're yeah. snoring and I was like haha that's funny and then as it went on I was like you guys are being really freaking mean and like this is this is all important stuff. It might not be stuff that you like you clearly don't understand. You'll you'll care about it if they come out and like have a flashy trailer that's like 10 teraflops. Uh, ray tracing <laughs> rendered the, the the best looking games. But when it's told to you in a technical way, you're like trying to bully poor Mark Cerny. Like shut up, get over yourselves. <laughs> no. Okay, look. I okay, I I agree with that. I agree that the people in the chat were terrible, although it is YouTube live. So it is always terrible. There is literally never, ever, ever anything good from that, especially when you have, I don't know, what was the number of people they had? They had like 6,000 people watching. 600,000, yeah. 600,000. Jesus. Something like that. Yeah. When you have, you know, over half a million people watching, you're going to have terrible chat. That said, this is something that that is supposed to be geared towards people like me, certainly people like Brianna Wu. I was still really bored. (laughs) Aw, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think, yes. Yes. You're not wrong. <laughs> so, I don't know. I mean, I feel, because I was transfixed. Just to oh. See, like, see, maybe this was not for me. This was for Brianna. This is for people no, who actually I mean, build these things. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's like, I mean, they spent a lot of time talking about the the custom SSD, right? And how that's going to affect loading times. I think if you have not worked with uh, streaming in a video game engine before, you don't appreciate just how big a deal this is. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think it's fair to say we, we hit a point a while ago where there's not going to be like a huge breakthrough thing. And I don't, I think people should check their expectations for this generation, but think about it. Like uh, Christina, do you remember when MacBooks went from uh, the MacBook pro went from a, uh, you know, traditional platter hard drive to the SSD Yeah, and it was just a million times more usable and faster and easy. It wasn't doing anything particularly differently. Right. It was no, it's a much just better sto- user it's just, experience. It's, your storage right. pipe is different. I mean, even when you right. went from like, like various types of, uh, you know, connection types, when you went to SATA, even on platter drives, like that was a big difference. But when you right. upgrade, to, I mean, look, I, I'm not making any, uh, 100% moving to SSD in this generation is actually a really big deal because for a lot of gamers, load time is the thing that is what they see something as being slow um, and that's something that can be controlled, whereas latency for online play and other stuff is a much harder problem, right? So this mm-hmm. is something that for people's day in, day out experience is going to make your your gaming experience better. I'm just, you know, I, the, the stuff was very interesting. It just wasn't presented in an interesting way. That's all I'm saying. I think this is why I would say if you were looking at Twitter yesterday, um, you would see statements from people and developers that had seen this and you would read statements like, this is going to completely blow the Microsoft Series X out of the water. It's going to change our industry forever. And I was like, oh, wow, this is really going to be vastly different. And now that we're looking at the facts here, I think this is a very comparable generation. I mean, you can talk about the tendency of the architecture to um, have variable speed in one versus a more constant speed in another. And Mm -hmm. that's a difference. But it's going to kind of average at the same speed and we can talk about the better heat distribution on one. But overall, I, I think this is going to be a very comparable generation, if that makes sense. Yeah. The, the uh, ooh, words, it seems like the consensus, the consensus is the word I was looking for is that it'll really come down to how the hardware uses uh, the components that are inside it. And I think what we've seen, like even with this current generation of consoles, like God of War, which is one of the most beautiful games of this generation of consoles, didn't have any loading or it did have loading, but it disguised it in parts of the game where where the player never had to experience a pause for loading. Um, That's it called did it level all the streaming, background. by the way. That is level streaming. Yes. So it seems like the... For this generation, like 12 teraflops with this Xbox Series S, 10 with the PlayStation 5, it's all going to come down to how it's used. And also, I think what our expectations are coming from a generation where maybe where we haven't seen this kind of power before, unless you're on PC, uh, (laughs) all of you, um, and where we're used to things like to, to long load screens and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I do think that the thing that's going to make the mass public really uh, perk their their ears up and really notice it is going to be ray tracing this generation. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, we've seen this already with uh, the Xbox Series X, and it it really – 
it, you're only seeing it right now for games like Minecraft. So it's like you've got the most blocky graphics ever, and then they so change the lighting. It right, exactly. So imagine how great that's going to look when you've got normals and displacement maps and actually complex geometry there. I think that's what's going to make the public go, "Wow, this is a, a new generation." I I just think for everything else, it's a series of singles, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think part of this too is that this is the first time where we've kind of had we had generations in the middle. We had like half generations. So, you know, you had the PS4 and you had the Xbox One, but then you had the uh, you know, the the PS4 Pro and um the Xbox One X. And so the Delta is like if you were compare if we were to compare things just to the original Xbox One and just to the original PS4, that's one thing. But that's not what a lot of people are going to be comparing things to. You know, you it, it's much more of a of a TikTok uh, versus you know where we were a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I was very impressed with some of the architecture decisions I've seen for the Xbox Series X because um, you know they are already planning on, you know, proprietary, but add-ons and new modules you can plug in to expand things like your storage. Um, yep. I mean, I think I think that that is a step forward. I think all of us would rather have a Mac where we could plug in new components if we had to. And I think a generation where I can go out and, yes, spend a little bit more money, but plug it in and make dead sure that it's going to work with my hardware – Uh, a new hard drive. I think that's a very cool idea. Yeah, I agree. And I think that it's something that, that, uh, frankly, consoles are going to have to do unless you are going after kind of the mass market like the Switch is. And, and you, Nintendo has a gift at this. And they don't always hit out of the park, the, the Wii U being a good example. But when Nintendo <laughs> wraps out, you know, knocks out of the park, they do. And they can really be about the games and the experience. But if you're not about that, if it's going to be about making it so that this is something that lasts a long time, uh, being modular is the only way to do that just because the technology has changed a lot. I mean, you know, just the AMD has had such a massive renaissance in the last couple of years. They've really changed everything, not just for gaming, but even like, you know, well, like primarily PC gaming, but for other types of compute too. They're really doing amazing things. NVIDIA is doing great things with GPUs. So it makes a lot of sense to try to be as modular as possible mm-hmm. so that if, some massive, you know, change happens, you don't have a whole generation of both gamers and developers who are like, okay, but we were targeting this platform. You know, how do how do we take advantage of new things? I think the most basic quality of life improvement, which they also introduced in the PS4 Pro and the Xbox Series X, is just that expansion of storage. Because that's yep. the thing that I come yep. up against most often with my PS4, which is the original model, is just needing to uninstall games to install different yep. games um like the the fan sounds annoying not a problem for me any graphical hitches occasionally annoying not usually a problem for me needing like hitting that uh that bar- that storage barrier constantly happening so the fact that the PS4 or the PS5 rather has 825 gigabytes off the bat plus you can expand the storage yes your yeah the modularness of it is going to be a godsend. Yeah, same, same with the Xbox um, Series X. That's has a terabyte of internal storage. And on both cases, actually, what's interesting is the specs, just from a spec perspective, not an architecture perspective. These are incredibly similar systems. Uh, mm-hmm, but that one yeah. also has, you know, external storage support as well as um, expandable storage in the way of, of, a, of an expansion card. 
One of the things I think is really interesting from a technical perspective is um, one of the main architecture differences here is speaking very generally, the Xbox Series X is um, is this custom SOC system on chip that um, is a vast oversimplification. It's made to run in like one of two standard modes. And because of that, you can expect the power throughput to be a little bit more constant. And because of that, if you look at the at the internals of it, I don't know if you've seen the teardown of it before, but it's got a um, it has a primary heat uh, exchange like like flow through point. Yep, uh, that's absolutely massive on this heat sink, and then it's got like an emergency vent, like the Death Star. <laughs> if you look at the the PS Five. It's much more designed for throttling. So the the I guess you could imagine it like uh the PS5 is gonna be something that can um it can spin at any speed. The heat uh like dispersal at the high end is going to be less awesome. And the Xbox Series X is going to generally speaking be more on this one note pushing air through very fast. So it looks like our our uh traditional thing of the Xbox sounding like a jet engine taking off, I don't think that's going to change this generation. <laughs> yeah. No, it'll be interesting to see what they do because in some case, in some ways what they've done, obviously, uh, they're taking a slightly different approach, but it's not that dissimilar from like the trash can MacBook, Mac Pro yep. where you have that big fan, you know, kind of vent at the top and that's where it's going to be pushing the heat out. And and so that, yeah, I'm interested to hear both of these, but I'm with, I'm with you. It's probably still going to sound like a jet engine. That said, it will be a little bit more quiet just because it doesn't have a moving drive. Um, I mean, there's a moving SSD, but or not SSD, optical drive, but there's not like a you know a platter uh, which can make a lot of noise. Well, it will. Um, that's one thing they said is uh, because this is both systems are going to be uniquely like really awesomely uh, backwards compatible. So one of the things that we're talking about here is how you will be able to add on traditional platter plate storage, and that will be focused more on your PS4 library, which I think is awesome. I think that's great. No, I agree. I think that's something that the PlayStation has historically not had great support with. Uh, ironically, even though you know that was a big key feature of the, the PS2 and the PS3 was that they could be backward compatible. But you know, future iterations, they get rid of that. Uh, and I'm, gl- I'm glad that both consoles for this generation are going to be very much about trying to be as backward compatible as possible. I'm so happy about that. It's There have been so many good games that have come out these past few years. It's, it just seems ridiculous to to throw them out. So I'm so, so, so glad that they're both thinking about preserving those libraries. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you go back and um, I've been working my way through the original Mass Effect trilogy and the the hardest part of it, it's not the graphical downgrade on PS3. It's not the, you know, it's not, it's not anything. It's not the XMB bar. It's the, the lag and the, Mm -hmm. the delays. That's what makes those games feel dated. So if you can move it to modern hardware that will at the very least like run menus a little faster. I think that will mm-hmm. be a great thing. How does everyone feel here feel about the other quote unquote big announcement from the PS5, which is uh 3D audio processing? Uh to kind of oversimplify it, uh Sony is going to try to make a uh standard for 3D audio and uh enact it in games so you kind of get that you know full movie theater feel when you're playing these games. How how do all of you feel about that? I think it's it's probably something that I wouldn't necessarily have 
thought of on my own as like, oh yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. But it definitely, audio is definitely one of those things that's so important that kind of flies under the radar or we don't notice it automatically as much as graphics. Uh, but I yeah. do think it makes a huge difference in games. So I'm I'm excited to see what they what they come up with. Yeah, same. Yeah. I mean, I've had um, a number of demos from audio companies over the, over the years about 3D audio, and they can do really, really interesting things. And spatial audio and 3D, or which is what 3D audio is, is a very interesting space. And so I'm looking forward to seeing this. I think that that will make the experience more immersive. It'll be interesting to see how that is, I guess, translated uh, to how a lot of gamers play, which is usually with the headset on. So um, I'm curious to see like how Sony is going to work with headset manufacturers to try to bring that oral quality to headsets, which has traditionally been really difficult. It's not impossible, but there are additional challenges. But I think that's it's really cool. I think one of the things too is that you know uh, they didn't really talk anything about VR, but if you're doing that. VR is obviously a place where 3D audio really mm-hmm. is important. And so if that's one of the things they're doing, it makes me think, okay, they do have some 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 VR plans and some other types of ideas for different uh, ways of, of doing gaming because obviously 3D audio is going to most make sense and the most immersive experience you need to be in. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about it? I think for me personally, I don't like playing with a headset on. It's just one, it's, it's, do you know what I mean? Like I associate headphones with work. I'm going to sit down mm-hmm, and do sure. this now. And I just, for me personally, I prefer to play games, just like uh, being lazy on my couch. I'm watching a YouTube video on my phone, listening to it while I play a game. That's how I prefer it. That said, there are really big gameplay advantages to wearing a headset. Um, I like terror games. I like survival horror games. And Resident Evil and mm-hmm. Dead by Daylight are much easier to play if you have on headphones that, you know, has pseudo 3D audio to kind of give you cues about where Mr. X is or, you know, where the killer is. Like, that's all, it's gameplay information. And just like the, um, uh, if you go back to an old PS2 controller before you had haptic and the DualShock, it's very stunning. Like, you really miss that haptic feedback. And I think... I think this is something that it just gives you that unconscious amount of information about what you're doing that mm-hmm. is very valuable. Yeah, but for me, it comes at a real comfort cost, if that makes sense. Well, but it's 3D audio for speakers, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, but who's really going to plug that all up in their living room? I mean, don't you have to have a specialized setup? Really? They say that they're they say that they're trying to make it available, quote unquote, to all users, not just those with headphones or sound systems, with the support for a licensed standard such as Dolby Atmos. Yeah. So it sounds like they're tr- they're what they're working on is something that might make a difference to people who even just like me use their TV speakers. Which would be ideal because, again, like you, I I don't play with headphones on. I just have a podcast going on my phone because I'm an animal. Um. <laughs> I I know they can say that, but think about how the Apple HomePod simulated 3D audio. It's good. Yeah. It sounds great, but it took special microphones and speakers to figure out the spatial arrangement of everything. Mm-hmm. I don't see how you could possibly have this on your TV worth a damn without specialized equipment. Well, look, but that's going to be the case with anything. I think that, yeah. you know, uh, but but certainly the way this is being designed is not just for a headphone experience. If anything, arguably, I mean, they're wanting to work on a standard. That, I think, is actually exciting. They want it to be like Dolby. Uh, and that, 
the challenge there is can you get people who are competitors of Sony to adopt that? Because really that's what mm-hmm. you would need. You would need it to be adopted by other TVs, by other, you know, uh, receiver makers, uh, potentially other consoles. Like, that's what you really need if it's going to be a standard. That said, there have been a lot of attempts at 3D audio over the years, and there hasn't been a standard. So I'm not in any way, like, upset um, that they're trying for that. How successful it'll be and how much of an impact it'll have, I'm going to be honest, I think it's negligible for now, mm-hmm. but it will be interesting to see what they do with it. And the thing is, is, you know, this is something that is potentially going to be, you know, a five, eight-year console generation. So yeah. the things that we're talking about now that we might not, that might not be massively in use at launch are things that five years from now, might be different. Yeah. Case in point, when the PlayStation 4 came out, same with the Xbox um, uh, One, you know, most people didn't have 4K TVs. At this point, most people have a 4K TV, if only because it's so much cheaper to just, you know, if you're buying a new television, you're getting a 4K TV in, in most cases. And people, as they've kind of upgraded, have gone to that level. Whereas, you know, when we think 10 years ago, people were just getting into HD, period. So yeah, it's, it's future proofing in a sense. Exactly. And also, I think it's one of those things where we just don't know how quickly some of this stuff is going to move in terms of adoption. Maybe it'll be slow. Maybe it'll be big. I'm I'm mm-hmm. not mad at it, though. Yeah, I see yeah. it as the kind of thing where there, there are no real downsides to me, because if it works, dope. That's great. If it doesn't, I assume that the quality will at least be on par with what I'm used to, which, again, is playing with my TV speakers sitting across the room. Um, I don't see how it could get worse. So for me, just from a pure user perspective, it's a it's a net neutral, I think, at least. Yeah, I agree. Very exciting. Hope it works. Hey, this episode of Rocket is brought to you by DoorDash. (laughs) 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 It's 2020. It's 2020. Did you know? And delivery is way more than just pizza. Although, honestly, right now I would uh, I would do murder for a pizza. However, I don't need to because I can just talk to DoorDash. Say, hey, listen, folks, you're busy. You don't always have time to cook. Well, with the selection of your favorite flavors from across the globe, DoorDash lets you order world cuisine, all from the comfort of your living room that you cannot leave with DoorDash. (laughs) Getting your meal delivered means you can take back time in your day to finish that project, get in that workout, or finish up with chores. Or even take a shower, perhaps, for the first time in two days, or brush your teeth. (laughs) Ordering is super easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are in your home. Your favorite restaurant is probably already on DoorDash, but there are over 310,000 restaurants in over 4,000 cities. With door-to-door delivery in all 50 U.S. states, Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can order from your local go-tos, or you can choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, and the Cheesecake Factory. Christina, I hear you did indeed use DoorDash this week. I did. So DoorDash actually right now, this is kind of timely, and this is not part of the ad read, I promise. This is just something I noticed. They are actually doing kind of a no-contact delivery sort of thing. So I uh, had to go into the studio yesterday to do some recording stuff, and I ordered food and um, was able to kind of have a a no-contact pass-off, which I thought was really nice to kind of be good for both the, you know, the the delivery people as well as uh, people receiving food. So I got Chick-fil-A last night. 
Congratulations. Because I rarely get to get Chick-fil-A. There are only two of them in Seattle, and the lines are always ridiculous. And I happen to be not that far from one of the locations. And uh, because of the the times that we're in, traffic wasn't bad. So I actually got to have Chick-fil-A for dinner. Thank you, DoorDash. <laughs> if you, listener, would like to live the Christina Warren lifestyle, you can get $5 off your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code ROCKET. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter the promo code ROCKET. So download that app now, start planning your dinner, and don't forget that's promo code ROCKET for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. Thanks so much to DoorDash for their support of ROCKET and all of Relay FM. Can I say something about that uh, just before we go on? Again, this isn't part of the ad read, but um, when you run for office, you talk to a lot of people that own businesses, including restaurants. It is hard to overstate just how screwed they are right now. Yep. So um, right here in Massachusetts, we are under lockdown and restaurants are actually legally prohibited from allowing anyone in to eat. Uh, Their only way of making money right now is with services like DoorDash. So um, this is is one of those cases where if you are using this, you are literally helping these businesses stay afloat while we wait for our current president to do something. So um, it's, it's, I mean this, like you're going to be helping people to have nothing. Right Definitely. Now, no income. One, one other thing I would say too, and then we'll, we'll move on. Also not part of the ad read, but tip all of your service workers. Yes. Tip, yes. tip, 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 yes, tip. Yes, I've yes. been doing like 50% tips. I did like a, like a 75% tip on my Chick-fil-A order yesterday. So yep. tip your service workers, whether they are delivery drivers or if you were going, you know, to, to do pickup or yep. work at the restaurant themselves, like whatever the case may be, anybody who was doing that stuff, just like tip these people because- the, the the parts of um, our our society that are hit the most right now, um, as we as many cities go into you know shelter in place and, and lockdown, or um, uh, Seattle's the same way where you can't eat in a restaurant, you can only do takeout and delivery. It's really important that we do what we can to make sure these businesses have something to come back to when um, this uh, you know is hopefully we have a plan in place and and we have more infrastructure to, to take uh, control of stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would say if you were in a position of privilege to be able to help people out, like I called the uh, the company I used to clean my house, my cleaning service, and I was like, look, your team, they're amazing to me. I am delighted to keep paying for this, uh, even if they can't come clean. Uh, with my gym, yeah, I'm like, charge me dues. That's fine. I I will be fine. I'm worried about those people. So if you have someone in your life that you have a client relationship with, like take care of them if you can. Like we are mm-hmm. all in this together and there it is. Yep. Well said. Well said for a gig society that we live in. Uh, let's talk about some Apple news. Woo. Hey, hey, Apple Wednesday introduced a new iPad Pro, which I believe we did talk a little bit. We talked about the rumors before. Now here's the news. It's got that A12Z Bionic chip. It's got that new Magic Keyboard accessory with the trackpad. It's got an ultra-wide camera that brings it up to par with the iPhone cameras. And it's got a LiDAR scanner for improved augmented reality. How, in whatever form that may take, 
Um, AR kit apps are also reportedly getting improved motion capture and people occlusion. Excellent. Uh, along with all of the above, things got a 10-hour battery life, faster Wi-Fi, um, just basically all the quality of life enhancements you would expect from a hardware refresh. And the keyboard, which we're also going to talk about, looks incredibly dope. It's oh. like got a cantilever, so it raises it up. So it it become I mean, similar to I I would compare it to the Microsoft Surface. Um, yeah, yeah, that kind of deal where you can like hinge it up and um type on the keyboard, which is what you do with keyboards. Forgive me, I've been inside for three days. Um, but yeah, the trackpad rumors are true. The trackpad dreams are true. And the improved iPad is here. So I have, um, I wanted to say something about this. To me, and Christine, I need you to help me as a friend, talk me out of buying this new iPad. Yeah, don't buy this right now. Uh-oh. One of the most exciting parts of this is the new keyboard, which I think we all agree is the sexiest feature of this. Absolutely. Um, is backwards compatible. Yes, so, it is. Which is why I would say right. I would I would wait for the reviews because you already have an existing one. I'm in the same situation. And I love mine. And I love I mine love too. Mine. Do you have the 11 or do you have the 12.9? Uh, I have the 11 inch. Same. Okay. So I we have the same unit. I have, I love mine. I'm not really looking to be totally honest right now. I'm not looking to spend, you know, twelve, thirteen hundred dollars once you get everything, you know, taxes and and Apple Care and all that into it. I'm not really looking to spend thirteen hundred dollars on an iPad right now, especially since the apps that we have don't even fully take advantage of the iPads as it exists, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're coming from like an older iPad Pro or you're looking at getting something in, I think it's really interesting. I think that the the new camera system and, and having some of that, that stuff is really compelling. I personally am with you. To me, the most compelling thing is the keyboard with the, the, with the trackpad that is on its own, like a $300 uh, or $350 accessory, depending on what size you're getting. And so if you're not wanting to really do a lot of the augmented reality stuff, which look, granted, it's cool. I'm just being honest. I don't think I'm going to use it. I'm much more interested in the keyboard and that's something that will work with my existing unit. And so I personally mm-hmm. am on, I'm on team wait for the reviews, but my unit is a year and a half old and I don't really want to drop $1,300 on a brand new tablet. To so be totally I, the, I main, guess- the main, go ahead. Sorry. No, you go. Um, I was just going to say, yeah, the, I have, I gotta be honest, other than playing around with the AR measure app, I've never, ever, ever, use the AR feature in any Apple product. Uh, it's the first thing I turn off when I play Pokemon Go. <laughs> it's it's just it's just not it's not it's um it's a solution looking for a problem. And I've just never found something compelling to do with it. Um so with that, it's it's I'm I almost feel like Apple is is leaving a lot of money on the table by allowing us to do this this time because that keyboard looks great. Being able to elevate it to all these different angles, amazing. Like this is going to increase the writing ability of it, so you could really, really, really use this to do email. So yeah, no, this is a big deal. Yeah, this yeah. this looks very much like what they were showing off with the Surface Duo, and uh, you know, having the idea of having kind of the trackpad kind of integrated, and it's going to make it much more. Mac-like in in the sense that actually being able to to do emails and not have to constantly move your finger back and forth between the keyboard and the screen Mm -hmm. to select stuff. I think this is great. Um, They're leading money on the table, but yet at the same time, I think in some ways they're not. I think that this is actually 
kind of an acknowledgement of how the iPad Pro line is evolving in a similar way where, you know, you have every few years a really major update to the design of the MacBook or the MacBook Pro. Right now, I think maybe that's kind of what they've settled in on for the iPad Pro. And it makes sense to make those accessories available because, again, with your starting price of $800 and it's going to be more than that, you know, so you're looking at at in the door you're not getting in the door for under $1,000 for the iPad Pro. You're just not. Yeah. That type of money, that is not the sort of thing that you can expect people to upgrade every other year on or even every two years. That's just not a realistic expectation. That's, you know, phones, it's hard enough, but phone, you use it every day. A tablet, especially when, you know, it's much more, the the, the line between tablet and, and computer are blurring so much and the price is definitely blurring. I feel like, this is an acknowledgement of saying, okay, we know people are keeping these longer, but if we create, you know, accessories that we can have work across the line, they could sell a whole lot more keyboards than they might otherwise, right? Because the number of people who are going to say, oh, I'm going to buy this just for the keyboard, I don't know how massive that is. Like, I wouldn't buy, I wouldn't buy a new, I wouldn't spend $1,300 just for a new keyboard. But I would say, okay, I already made this investment before, I will look at spending $300 on a keyboard. Yeah. And unfortunately for them, you'll wait till May. (laughs) Well, I guess, no, you can give them your money now. Um, Do you guys think, so obviously for existing iPad Pro users, this isn't a reason to throw the old one out the window. For a new iPad Pro user, potential purchaser, do you, would you recommend they invest in this or get like a refurbished uh, of the previous model? Oh, get the new one. Yeah. Always get the new yeah. one. Okay. Unless, the, yeah. unless the price is so much cheaper, which it won't be, unless you were talking like literally like a 50% discount, get the new one because that's always my advice with Apple stuff. Always get the latest that you can if you're starting from scratch. If you're upgrading, that's different. How dare you slander my beloved 12-inch 2015 MacBook Pro once again? <laughs> no, that's great. That's what I'm saying. But you're not starting from scratch. Like, if you're starting brand new, get the latest you can. It was my first Mac. Well, but, but, no, but I mean, like... You, and I you got it, like, I got it refurbished. Right, but you didn't get it, like, yesterday. No. This but is when my I point. when I got it, it was still used, or... Sure, which is fine. And, and laptops, because sometimes they're only updated once a year, that's a little bit different. Like I said, if the price delta is, like, 50%, Okay, yeah, sure. absolutely get the older iPad Pro. But if we're talking like $100, no, spend the $100 and get the new one. Yeah, I have to agree. <laughs> and then spend the $300 on the Magic Keyboard. It looks right. good. That I'm so excited. And the fact that it has pass-through charging, dope. Um, yeah, this it looks, if it works, again, waiting for reviews, waiting for reviews as always. Uh, do we know how it transports? Does it just fold it up at this little hinge? That's yeah, what it looks that's like. What the, that's it looks what like some magnets. Like. Yeah. So cool. Um, that That is not the only Apple news that came out today. It is either. not. Um, the MacBook Air, the Woo-hoo. sexiest, uh, most fun uh, computer Apple makes, uh, it was refreshed as well. And I'm very happy to report the scissor key has another RIP. foot in the grave. The scissor key. Wait, the, the butterfly or the one, scissor? I, I just kill it. 
Just kill it. But, but the, right the bad now, keyboard is dead. The new it, keyboard it's is like here. It's like the horror movie where you've killed the bad guy for the second time, and you know the third time they're going to have their head chopped off when the 13-inch MacBook Pro comes out. That's where we are right now. Okay, so the butterfly key has another foot yeah, the butterfly in the key. Yeah, exactly. So what's actually interesting here, I think, um, so they're using the 10th gen um, Intel processors, and those just came out. So this is a time when actually if you were wanting to get a competitive laptop, which is rare with Apple, this is a, a good opportunity because they're using the latest chips. What's interesting, though, is that you can actually get this configured with a quad-core um, uh, processor, and mm-hmm. that is the first for the um, uh, MacBook Air. So that's actually, and this is a part of the the switch to the the latest, uh, uh, I think since the eighth generation Intel chips, they've made it, um, there've been um, lower um, uh, power consumption and they've been, um, you know, lower man- nanometers. So you've been able to get like quad core in the same space that you used to only be able to do dual core. And that's also mm-hmm. why on the 16 the inch MacBook Pro and, and the previous year's 15 inch MacBook Pro, you can go up to um, uh, an eight core uh, machine, which is, you know, like ridiculous. So, the, but this is a big deal because traditionally the big difference between getting like the, the MacBook Air and the MacBook Pro has been what type of processor. This is still going to be, uh, I'm pretty sure probably even if you upgraded to the i7 option, cut down and and not quite as fast. But the fact that you can get a quad-core um, uh, machine, um, uh, you can also get up to 16 gigs of RAM, and they've lowered the price. Um, well, no, they've doubled the, the storage uh, starting out. So the $1,000 model comes with 256 gigs of SSD storage, which is great. Uh, I actually think this is not just because they... The keyboard change is obviously the biggest deal, but I think this is actually the first time in years that Apple has had a, at least on paper, I haven't used the device yet, but at least on paper, they've had a competitive MacBook Air. I mean, genuinely, I think this is the first time probably in about eight years. Yeah. Love this price. Love these stats. Um, Yeah, I'm, I'm happy about this. I think, um, you know, my suggestion would be if you have to buy a MacBook right now, um, rather than buying the Pro, I would encourage you to very seriously look at the Air with the uh, configuration you described, Christina. I think it's a better machine. I think the thermal the thermal interior of it will be better. Uh, the keyboard will certainly be better. I, I, I think it's a far better machine right now for the price. Do we think that any of these projects are going to be delayed because of the COVID-19 situation? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it depends on how quickly they can get. I mean, it, it, they've already said that a lot of the, um, I guess, manufacturing has started in some of the places again. But that, so, you know, having them manufactured isn't really the issue. The issue is more like how are they going to be transported and how are people going to get them? Because yeah. all Apple stores are closed. So mm-hmm. this, and you know, and, and um, uh, you know, with air, airlines shutting things down and with um, companies like only doing you know, like Amazon is only accepting things into their warehouses that are like medical supply related and other things. It becomes an interesting question, like how do you even distribute this? Uh, I'm sure that because they had these kind of, you know, in the works or whatever, that they have them available to, they have their shipping partners available to send stuff out. But I would not be surprised if there are delays in people receiving these and if there might even, I'm going to be honest, I, there might be a delay in the availability of the Magic Keyboard for the iPad Pro. Like, they're saying May, and I have a feeling they're saying May, 
because they don't know when they will be able to mm. kind of get it because out there. Because by May, they'll know what it actually might be. Right. I wanted to check this. Uh, so when you said something a minute ago that, <clears throat> excuse me, you could go ahead and buy it right now. Um, I not tried to buy one this morning and you can't. Are you sure about that? Yeah, the keyboard's not available for pre-order. Um, I think they said that it would be, but it is not available for pre-order on their site. It just says it will be available in May. I ha- I, I'm seeing, oh yeah, I guess when I, I can't add it to the bag, actually. Yeah, sorry. So it is on Apple.com and you can like click, you can choose the size and the language, but you can't actually add it to the bag. You so can that admire was, how beautiful it is. Yes. <laughs> you you can buy the smart uh, fo- uh the, the new smart keyword folio and uh w- which is like the same type of idea but without the trackpad so you can get the the surface type of thing. Um that is is available to buy but the magic keyboard is not available uh to buy um or or even pre-order. You can add it to your favorites. Yeah, you you can you can favorite so- it. This is so grim. Why can't I just add it to the, it has the add to bag button, but it's all grayed out. <laughs> That's so cruel. Um, <laughs> anyway, I was mistaken. Should have clicked all the way through. Can we just say this is a weird way for Apple to announce a product? Like, Look, it's on our store. You can't like buy this? it. Yeah, just look right. at it. Right. Just look at it and enjoy. Think about what could be. <laughs> no, you can't give us money for it. Go away. Leave right. me alone. <laughs> Well, again, I think this I'm is one Tim of those Cook. things. Well, again, I think this is one of those things where they probably even have some of the manufactured. They have some of the they have the, the lines set up, but they don't know when uh, mass manufacturing will be able to take place or how they'll get it distributed out. So this is this is this is not a yeah, scenario. I guess the last thing they want is to like make a promise and then have a bunch of people's money and be like, "Oops, exactly." <laughs> no, because then people would accuse them. It would be wrong in this case, but they would accuse them of, "Oh, you just want to." you know, use my money. You just want my money to, to, you know, fill your coffers while you're not sending me anything. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because you, they don't know when. I think that's yeah, a fair thing to do. Know. Yeah, this is not a situation like Air Power where it was, this is coming, but it's not been productized. It's not been manufactured. It's not yeah. together. Like this it's is a real this product. Is, this is a real thing. They just don't know when they're going to be able to get it out. Apologies is my for anyone who got super excited when I mistakenly said you could pre-order it. Man. All right, let's talk about Westworld. Oh. Oh, is that the noise you're making? Yes. Okay, Westworld season 3 has begun. It began on Sunday. One episode out so far. Um Brianna, how did you feel about it? I love it. I love it so much. Dolores is channeling all my inner rage that I feel right now and I love it. I freaking loved every second of it. You've got Aaron Paul as a main character. He is amazing. Dolores is amazing. I'm not sold on Nazi world yet. <laughs> overall, overall, this is, this is, I mean, I understand why people didn't like season two. I liked season two, but I absolutely understand why some people thought it was too convoluted and too time jumpy and just all over the map. This new season is it's linear time, at least as far as we were able to understand it, the way the story is told. 
it 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 has some really big ideas. Uh, the spoiler: the idea is there's a, a computer in the real world uh, that is basically um, it's not just surveilling everything; it's like predicting what everyone is going to do at every single mm-hmm. second, and it's kind of a god that controls the real world. And it's Dolores a has grim her sights set future, on it. A grim right, near completely future, completely un- different than ours, by the way. So, so yeah, totally not like ours at all. No, right, definitely not. I I loved it. How did all you feel? There were things that I loved about it. Um, however, I am not nearly as enamored as you were, oh, unfortunately. Wow. And I will say that I I liked a lot of season two. Like season two was the kind of thing where I decided I'm not going to think about this too hard. I'm not going to try to yep. figure out what timeline's happening. I'm just going to enjoy the ride that I'm on. Um, that's totally where I was too. That being said, there were some things about it on the writing level that annoyed the piss out of me. And I don't know if that's a bad word. And there are some things in, and again, I've only watched one episode of season three that similarly I am struggling with purely on a level of like the, the script and some of the cliches that are coming out of characters mouths on a dialogue level that being said, I'm very, very excited to learn more about what Dolores' plan in the human world is. And I, I do like the world building of just that, like, grim, algorithm-controlled reality where, like, Aaron Paul's character is trying to get a job and the companies are looking at his his stats and basically saying, no, no, we're not going to go with you. Sorry. And he can't, there's no opacity or no transparency for him to figure out why what can i do what can i improve on why am i being passed up for this like that that really resonated with me and it's not even it's not even a human saying you're not good enough yeah. it's an ai talking to <laughs> right him. yeah no that 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 definitely resonates cuz i'm like that we're not that far from that definitely you know like people using ai more and more and algorithms more and more to make determining factors you know, like we're not at the place where you wouldn't have a human you could potentially reach out to, but we're definitely not that far from that sort of Google thing. I want to Google this actually because I feel like I have read a story about um, oh, companies using like filtering applications yes. with AI. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, that's absolutely true. That happens. It is a reality. All right, so Christina, you got to play time tiebreaker. Did you like it? Did you not like it? No, have you I seen do. It? Yeah, yeah, I have. I'm kind of in the middle. Um, I like it. I liked season two a lot. I think for the same reason as Simone, I just kind of didn't like, I was, I gave up trying to justify or figure anything out. I was like, this is just, you know, entertainment. I'm just going to enjoy this. So on that level, I did enjoy things. I still have some kind of questions. I think about like, I'm trying to kind of wrap my mind around and I guess trying to kind of figure out like, what is their approach going to be this season? But I'm definitely glad it's back and I can't wait to continue watching. Yes, I'll absolutely watch it. Don't get me wrong. I just See, have, I have so a fundamental I blame problem. You for all when, of this, Simone. Oh, yeah. You're the one that made me, yeah, this is all your fault. It is my you fault. You wasted hours of my I life. I got a You're ton of people in for this on the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's because season one kicks butt. It was really good. Season one is one of the best shows, totally. Right. But you got me, and then I'm watching season two three times trying to figure out what the hell is going on. <laughs> and I feel like I understand it now. And I mean, I feel like one of the really good parts about this is all the gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous design work. Yes. I mean, it is truly stunning. Like, one of the reasons I'm such a Final Fantasy fan is they have 
some of the most stunning imaginative architecture I've ever seen and everything here. Um, I, I do have to criticize them because the sports car, uh, Dolores's uh, person she's targeting to get into, they're like, oh, look at this futuristic sports car. And it's actually a 2015 uh, Porsche 918 Spider that just looks like it's from the future. <laughs> and they're using that. Marie, I'm so glad you brought this up because literally in that scene where, you know, the, the second car creeps up. So I, I won't spoil anything. There's a, there's a couple car scenes. Literally, when I saw that car, I was like, I wonder what Brie thinks about these cars. <laughs> Like, she is my futuristic car person. I need her opinion. It's just an existing (laughs) car. This is one of the first uh, Porsches that it's a half uh, gasoline, half electric drivetrain. And they go for like a million dollars because they're so valuable. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's it's an exceptionally gorgeous car. It's just not something you'd expect someone to be driving. Uh, We have an exact date that this takes place in now. I believe it's uh, 2058. So, yeah. What did you think about the motorcycle? Love it. Beautiful. Nice. Um, very futuristic. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good question, Simone, because you are a motorcycle expert, so. <laughs> no, I thought it was a great design. Uh, she's not wearing armor when she's on it. She's on a skirt. And I can <laughs> tell you, it's very difficult to drive a motorcycle in a skirt uh, because of the heat uh, dispersion, like you're sitting with an engine between your legs oh, and oh, it gets boy. hot. So, um, yes, uh, that worried me for her safety. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, overall, I just... I I don't know. I feel like season one was about setting up this idea for a Michael Crichton novel. It was about a theme park. It was about breaking down. And season two was about the apocalypse. And now season three is taking it out and really doing a mirror into our world and our society. And wage inequality, lack of opportunity, extreme bifurcation between the rich and the working class. I mean, uh, the abuse of AI to for, for economic segmentation. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are incredibly prescient themes. And I just, I feel like it's going in a, a stunning direction. One of the things that really stood out to me living in a, uh, a corona world as we do now was the the cities that they're in do seem like really depopulated like there aren't that many people mm-hmm. out on the streets or driving yep. around and that might have been like a production thing but in the world that we live in now it it stood out as like an ominous futuristic aspect of of the city i i dug it i i also noticed that but i mean how can you have this extreme uh, difference between rich and poor if there's no proletariat to exploit yeah. so yeah. maybe yeah. they're just in their own city i don't know yeah yeah um yeah all right well we'll be we'll be continuing to watch Westworlds. um i hope that there will be less scenes as the season goes on when one character says to another um exposition is the way things are right <laughs> Uh, could do with a little less of that. Trust me as a viewer. I'm smart. I can figure things out. I can figure out how things, that things are the way they are without somebody saying this is the way things are. Okay. Um, <laughs> looking forward to seeing, uh, I'm looking forward to figuring out who the, what the heck robot is living in Charlotte Hale's body. <laughs> oh my God. I want to know. Hey, Christina, what are you up to this week? Well, I am navigating the waters of working from home as 
I'm sure everyone listening is, or, or many, many, many people listening are. And that's usually not a problem because most of my team is is distributed, but this these are not normal times. So it's a very different experience in that way. I'm actually still doing some things in our studio because we have um, a, a, a conference for a bunch of our uh, MVPs um, that's been taking place. So I actually have been going in a little bit, but just trying to kind of put together a lot of learnings for a lot of different people about remote work, but also remote productions and virtual events. So I've been kind of knee deep in figuring out the the ins and outs of those solutions. And it's actually a really interesting time to be in that space because things are changing so quickly that the teams themselves, the engineering teams who make these products are getting from their own perspective, like firsthand feedback about how stuff works versus what their theoretical thought is of, oh, this is how we think people will use things. Now they can dog food, but also get lots and lots of real-time feedback. So it's actually kind of an interesting time to be in that stuff because things are evolving so much. So I'm, I'm doing that, washing my hands, trying not to read the internet too much because it's depressing and I, I kind of like emotionally can't. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's, uh, that's it. That's a good idea. Brianna, what about you? So real talk, um, you know, this week I've probably talked to seven or eight Rocket listeners in uh, doing call time. And I just, I feel like I can be honest with our audience. Uh, This has devastated my campaign. Um, You know, we uh, have until uh, uh, May to May 1st, I believe, to get signatures, uh, 2,000 signatures on the ballot. In just uh, three days of work, we had 1,200 signatures, and we're like, oh, this is going to be a cakewalk, and then people started getting quarantined. So, you know, we've had to cancel all of our fundraisers, we've had to cancel all of our, 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 our town halls, and we're moving over to virtual stuff as, as, as fast as we can. Um, but that obviously takes money and we're really asking ourselves, what is this campaign going to be like two months from now? Or are we going to be able to go out in canvas? We've got until September 1st. Um, I had a, a letter Politico's covered this, uh, that myself, Ayanna Presley, uh, Kennedy, a bunch of other people running for Congress here in our, our state signed on to asking the state to uh, extend the de- the deadline on signatures. And I think we may need to seriously consider moving the election or postponing it. Um, but we are really considering how this is going to affect us. So my my plea to Rocket listeners would be, if you believe in my campaign, we could use some help uh, going to supportbrianna.com. Every $20 means I can hit 1,000 voters with an ad. Every $200 means I can produce a Facebook quality ad. And every 2,000 means I can produce a television quality ad. And that's the kind of stuff that's going to allow us to basically do triage between now and the point where we can go outside and canvas and talk to voters one-on-one. Mm-hmm. I think one thing this uh, pandemic is very much laying bare is some of the existing flaws and um, outdated aspects of our political system and yep. the way that ballots are constructed. So uh, I good luck to your campaign, Bray. Thank I you. will be hoping for the best. Um, I'm in a quarantine B&B this week. Uh, this is fun. There was kind of, there. I'm in a um, mutually assured destruction stand down with my roommate who returned from a trip um, on an airplane. Well, I, of course, was contaminated by living in New York City. 
Mm-hmm. None of us, neither of us are sick. However, both of us might be. So <laughs> in an, if we if we end up both getting sick, I'll go home. That's fine. But for now, um, I am living in a studio apartment somewhere in Manhattan. I'm not going to tell you. Um, so I'm living that solitude life, making a lot of beans, um, researching Animal Crossing to make a video about it. But also just as because we all you want are to. waiting yeah. for friggin' Animal Crossing to drop on Friday. Oh my God. I can't wait. So yeah, that's my week. It's going to be really chill for a while. Um, I have a couple recommendations to people. Uh, one, Steam's Spring Festival is happening right now. So they're offering discounts on games as well as demos of a bunch of indie games that were like at PAX East or uh, may have been at GDC even. Uh, so if you want to check out some demos of games that are up, games that are coming out, um, those are available on Steam on, at their Spring Festival. Also, uh, somebody pointed out to me a wonderful website called, or a wonderful Chrome plugin called Netflix Watch Party. Yeah, which I that's tested awesome. out last night. It rules. Um, it lets you basically, you activate it when you're on a Netflix movie, show, whatever. And then you can send that link to people and they'll come into a chat room basically. And you can chat in uh like t- type to each other while you're watching the same netflix show it rocks um we did it last night with the first episode of season three of ugly delicious and it was really fun so yeah do those things stay home wash your hands please don't infect other people um hey that's this episode of rocket if you enjoyed it please leave a review on apple podcasts um or tell a friend about it because maybe they'll want something to entertain themselves while they, like us, are locked in our homes. Um, Thanks, everyone, for listening. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 Terminated.